Hi, this is Joel Scrivener, pastor of Oaks Church in McKinney, Texas. And I wanted to say thank you so much for listening, sharing, and supporting our podcast. I know that today's message is going to inspire you, challenge you, and empower you to fearlessly follow Jesus like never before. Now, let's check out today's message. Awesome. God bless you guys. Um, I want to take just a second. We're going to do something that we call our unstoppable update. Uh, We've been in the middle of a uh, campaign that's a vision campaign. Uh, that vision campaign is not only about our building. The building was a part of it, and because of that vision campaign, we were able to raise the funds. Um, I don't know if you realize this, uh, but it's an absolute miracle. It's a miracle, miracle, miracle. Uh, I'm not going to say it's like walking on water or anything, but for a church that's barely three years old to own a building that's uh, that's worth over $7 million and have the type of equity that we have in it and be able to do all of that and pay for... Uh, all of those different things that we paid for. It's an absolute miracle. A lot of churches get stuck uh, in a place where they're in a setup teardown mode for a decade or more. And for what God has been able to do in us has been incredible. I believe one of the reasons that we've been so blessed and God has done so much in us is because we have been literally an incredibly generous church from the very beginning. The very first vision meeting that we have, the very first meeting, it was January 27th, of 2019, that week there was an officer that was shot in our city, and on the very first service that we had, just a vision meeting, an, an intro and a meeting, we raised thousands of dollars for the family of that police officer. From the very beginning, guys, we have given away $200,000 plus a year to all kinds of different things. This this baby bottle campaign that we've just uh, are wrapping up for um, Hope Women's Center, because of your generosity, we were able to give uh, enough money, $9,600 we're able to give. That's eight additional babies that we're able to save from abortion. Thank you, Oaks Church, for your generosity. It's an incredible thing. Uh, thousands of dollars already uh, donated to the families in Uvalde. Uh, as Pastor Brandon mentioned, a lot of those families uh, were, were, were taking care of. The families that actually had a, a child die have been taken care of, but there's nothing at all for the children that have been traumatized. Uh, the survivors that were in the same classroom, their friends died right next to them. No ministry, no provision for people like that. That's where we're currently... Uh, trying to focus some of our attention is partnering with churches that are trying to help the survivors deal with what they're dealing with. Um, but it's because of your generosity that we're able to do this type of stuff. We, we've got in Africa, we've, we've got a village that we supply the water uh, well. We take care and provide the water well. And because of your generosity, literally 15,000 people are able to have water. Uh, we provided uh, chairs for the, for, uh, for the church there. We, all kinds of stuff. An entire village is sustained. And, and and tens of thousands of people sustained because of your generosity. So thank you. I want to give you a quick, yeah, give yourself a hand. Give yourself a hand. It's your, your, your consistency with your tithe, your consistency with your offering. Putting God first as tithers is the most important thing you can do. And then for what we're trying to do locally with our vision to reach this city, uh, lots of incredible things that we have in store. And we really want to create this environment. There's so many things about this environment that we want to, to work on and develop. And I want to give you an incredible praise report. We're going to show you some great pictures. Uh, we were able, because of your commitment to your unstoppable pledges, uh, we were able to put our down payment down and sign and initiate uh, our kids' remodel. Our first focus 
that we're working on is our kids remodeling. We have an incredible playground that we're putting in there. I think they got some photos for you if we can. Uh, we got a double decker. The colors might be a little different, but we have a double decker playground. Uh, it's 20 by 30. It's going to go inside of our actual kids space. So a portion of the room, about a third of the room will be for fun and activity. The rest of the room, two thirds of that will be for class or for their actual spiritual stuff and, and all the different things that we do. We're not a, a babysitting organization. We're, we're an organization that exists to equip and train and develop the future generation for ministry. But we also understand that we're not building a church just for the people that are already here. We're building a church for the hundreds and the thousands of people that God is calling this direction. Um, another wonderful praise report. God has given us incredible favor. There are multiple church planting organizations that have, have initiated and are pursuing relationship with us at Oaks Church because of our passion, our commitment to, uh, to la- launching and planting and helping other churches flourish. We're not selfish. We're incredibly generous. And because of that, God is aligning us with, with some amazing relationships. I made new relationships this week at a pastor's conference that I believe are going to be incredibly strategic for us to not just be a church that flourishes uh, and takes care of the people that we already have, but positions us to take care of hundreds and even thousands uh, of, of people that are called to be a part. Do you understand that Collin County, the county that we uh, currently minister in and, and most of us live in, is set to, by the year, I believe, 2040, it's going to eclipse Dallas County in population. Uh, The the church experts uh, believe that Collin County needs 300 more churches to meet and reach the loss that will be moving here from the wastelands of the coast where there is very godless environments. People are coming here for refuge. We're going to have an incredible revival and we've got to be in position. So thank you for your generosity. Thank you for being consistent. Thank you for keeping your church strong all throughout the summer. I know we've got vacations. Uh, People are taking some time and doing some different things. Thank you to stay faithful. I don't know about you, but when I go on vacation, I still have to pay my mortgage still have to pay the electric bill, all that kind of stuff. It's the same way in God's house. So thank you for your faithfulness throughout the season. We love you. I'm going to pray and we're going to jump right into our message today. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We ask you in the name of Jesus that you would release your favor upon us. God, speak to us today and give us your vision, give us your purpose, and give us your word. God, your word is life. Your word is life. Release it to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, The genius of Jesus has been our theme for the last 10 weeks. I'm I'm shocked we've been on a series for 10 weeks. It's not normal that we stay on one series so long, but in my spirit, I just couldn't shake and get away from this. There's just so much to talk about when you're talking about the wisest uh, human being that ever lived on the planet because he was God in the flesh. He was all-knowing in the flesh. He was all-knowing. He was uh, not in in a position where he could be God, we understand, is all-powerful. He's all-knowing, and he's all-present. Jesus, and this is why Jesus had to go. Jesus had to go because in his human form, he couldn't be all present. He could only be in one place at one time. Jesus never went further than a couple hundred miles from his place of birth. He, he never traveled the way, he, he could not have a global uh, ministry. Two billion people on the planet that believe in his name could not have happened if he'd have stayed in a human bodily form. He had to ascend into heaven and release his spirit down into the earth to fill each and every one of us. And now we are his missionaries, his emissaries in the earth. And it's through our lives that his message gets out. 
And he's given us this authority specifically for a purpose because there's work for us to do and we can't do work without power. Have you ever been trying to do a job around the house and you had the wrong tool? I don't know about you, I'm not super handy. I actually get really, really frustrated when I'm trying to put something together or do, because it's just not my thing. I'm a, I'm a people person. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not super handy when it comes to that. Jennifer would make fun of me, and, and she prayed for a lot of specific things on her list of what she wanted in a husband. She got a bunch of them. She didn't get the handyman uh, that could take care of stuff and fix stuff. That wasn't part of, of what the Lord gave her, but I'm trying, and I learn. But, but it's been wild to me to be trying to do a project. Listen, if you want to, if you want to put a curse on me in my life, just send me something to my house from Ikea. I think, I, think, I think hell will be full of Ikea boxes. Some of you are really excited. You just can't wait to get something. Oh my God, putting that junk together is just horrible. But I, I, I've, I've been in a situation where I've struggled because I've got some kind of a manual tool. It's not the right tool. It can't get the job done. And then someone who knows what they're doing says, here, try this. And now you've got a power tool. You can get a lot done with a power tool. And when God released the Holy Spirit into the earth, he gave us access to gifts that are full of power so that we can get things done in the same manner that Jesus got things done. Today, I want to talk about how to increase your authority. And, and I want to use a little bit of an illustration even from my own life. There's one person that has more authority in my life than anyone else. Her name is Jennifer. She's not here today. She got some kind of a little summer cold and she's feeling pretty rugged today. But, but all of the good things in my life, for the most part, are because of my relationship with her. She has encouraged me, inspired me, provoked me, challenged me to be who I am. And I, if I could be honest with you, um, Jennifer and I, we're, we both have alpha personalities we're both right all the time, and we both know it. Um, and, and she, when I, <laughs> she's not here, so I can, I can tell you the truth. Um, when we first started dating, she wouldn't let me open a door for her. She wouldn't let me buy her a meal. She didn't need a man. She'd take care of herself. And, and, <laughs> I mean, I'm talking, she was a liber, women's liber. She was all about girl power. I don't, she'd had some bad experiences with uh, jerks in the past. And, 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 and so literally, we... She just wouldn't let me, she wouldn't let me open a car door, none of it. I, I remember distinctly, we were probably married now, I don't know, four or five years, and we walked up to a store, and she was in front of me, and she walked up and just stopped in front of the door. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm waiting for you to open the door. And I'm like, open the door? Since when? Since right now. I'm like, oh, okay. Since right now. And that all shifted, and then she was okay with me, and, and then she mandated for me to do certain and different things, right? Uh, it was funny, because in the early days, we'd been married about a month, and, and, and she, we'd gotten to a, a discussion about taking out the trash, and she said, I don't take out the trash, that's, that's men's work. I said, ooh, are we having this conversation? <laughs> Didn't know this was conversation was allowed. So you're saying there's differences between men's work and women's work? Oh, yeah. Okay. 
well, let's list off the different things then and we'll make an arrangement and we'll make an agreement. And, and, and so we've had an arrangement and agreement and apparently washing clothes is women's work, but folding clothes is men's work. I don't know if you knew that or not. So that's one of our arrangements. But, but my wife makes me better. My wife has authority in my life. And I tell you that story because there were many, many years where I resisted the authority that my wife carried in my life because I don't like being told what to do. But what I've realized is that God gave me a powerful woman and the authority that she holds in my life is incredibly valuable. And some of the biggest trouble I've gotten into in my life is because I didn't want to listen to the greatest gift God has ever given me. And I just want to encourage you with this thought that what makes Jennifer such a a powerful position, gives her such a powerful position of authority in my life is directly related to the level of intimacy that she and I have. We're one flesh. In God's eyes, when he looks at us, he sees one being. It's pretty wild. The Bible says that two come together and become one and they're one flesh. So in your marriage, the most powerful thing you can do in your life is be in unity in your marriage. To rid out disunity and to come into a place of unity and operate from there. For two people to live separate lives and be in disunity is massively destructive. And I want to encourage you, if you want to walk in more authority, look for a place of unity. Luke chapter 9 verse 1. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. Now go, we've already discussed that. So the mission that was given. Now look at this, how he instructed his disciples to go. Luke 9 verse 1. When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Jesus sent out his 12 disciples and their mission was to walk in power and authority to cast out demons, to cure diseases, and not just cast out, to drive out all demons, and to cure diseases, to proclaim the kingdom or the authority of God. Kingdom is the domain of the king. It's the realm of the king's authority. So their entire mission was connected to them wielding an increasing measure of authority, specifically over sickness and disease and demonic influence. We've already described or discussed earlier today in our prayer segment that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He is a violent terrorist. A demonic, violent terrorist. That's Satan. But Jesus said, I come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Jesus is all about life. The enemy is all about death and terror. And as believers... You better, you better recognize, it's important for you to recognize that the Bible is very true and your battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against demonic spirits, principalities, demons. The enemy has a chain of command similar to our military. He has a chain of command and he has demons and, and fallen angels that are different ranking and different power levels. And they are at work in different regions of the earth and different, uh, different territories of the earth. There's actually a, in the Bible, it talks about a city in Revelation where Satan had his throne. There was a place on the planet where Satan had his throne. 
And that throne, historically, was actually the altar of Apollo. Interestingly enough, that altar was held in the city in Revelation that is described at that time. The altar from, from the temple to Apollo is in this place. Do you know where the altar to Apollo is now? Berlin. The place where Satan has his throne. That altar currently is in a museum in Berlin. It actually exists. That artifact from 2,000 years ago exists. You just have to look at some of the history of Berlin, some of the horrific perversion that comes from that city. It's a region where there's a demonic stronghold on the planet. We have been empowered to make an impact. Empowered to make an impact. Specifically, when you were saved, you were saved and put on a mission. When you, when you put your life, when you gave your life to Jesus, the way you get saved according to the book of Romans is you, you, you believe that he rose from the dead, you believe in your heart that he rose from the dead, and you confess with your mouth that he is your Lord. That means he's in charge. That means you do what he says. That means he has authority over your life. You believe in your heart that he has resurrection power, that he conquered death. Isn't that interesting? You're, you're not saved by believing that he died. You're saved by believing that he rose from the dead. And then confessing with your mouth that he's your Lord. Well, when you confess that Jesus is your Lord, you said yes to the mission. And there is no additional, there is no different mission than the original mission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. You're a disciple of Jesus. Go make more disciples. The mission is disciples that make more disciples that make more disciples. I remember watching my wife in our early stages of, of marriage. My wife was an incredible hairstylist, as you can tell. She, she was excellent. She, she had a massive clientele. People followed her literally for 15 years. Location, they would follow her all over the city. And my wife with a pair of scissors in her hand, was a powerful woman. Every client she had got preached to. And they could go nowhere because she had sharp objects. Every single person that sat in her chair, I'm so glad she's, I'm not glad she doesn't feel well today, but I, she'd be uncomfortable with me telling you how amazing she was. She lived, every person that sat in her chair, what, what happens in a salon? Gossip? right? But they're, they're talking. Gossip happens. Problems happen. This is going on. That's going on. Every single person that sat in my wife's chair heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every single one, they're dealing with this problem. Well, have you given your life to Jesus? Have you received the infilling of the Holy Spirit? Are you a tither? Oh my gosh, you got to be a tither. Oh, you got to get the Holy Spirit. Hey, when we finish your appointment, we'll go over here and I'm going to pray with you. You're going to receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, 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 with a pair of scissors in her hand. Unstoppable. Incredible minister. It was a position of authority that she walked in. And I want to encourage you. She never planned on being in ministry. She never planned on being a pastor's wife. The day I told her I felt like I was called to ministry, we'd been married four and a half years. She told me that if she had known that, she would not have married me. <laughs> God has a funny... The guy she dated before me she found out, wanted to be a pastor, 
So she broke up with him. She actually broke up with him on the same night that I met her. She was with him on the night that I met her. I knew him. I thought she was hot. So I went up to talk to him so I could meet the girl that he was with. And it worked out really well for me. All right, praise the Lord. We're mandated to multiply. Mandated to multiply. She was a hairstylist that got people saved in her chair on a daily basis. Ministered, discipled people in the faith of Jesus Christ. You don't have to be in full-time ministry to be a minister. You are a missionary in your own circle. You don't have to quit your job, quit your field, end your career, and go start a church to be effective as missionaries and ministers. In fact, a lot of people fall into the wrong mindset around that, and they think that's the only way they can do something. Certain people are called to vocational ministry. Not everybody is, and I would encourage you, if you can do anything else, and please Jesus... I would encourage you to do it. Because the only reason that you do what I do is because the Lord won't let you do something else. I, I, I have to do what I'm doing. I've tried to walk away. I've tried to go. He won't let me. It's my calling. Now, good for me. I love it. I really enjoy it. It's fun for me to help elevate other people's lives. But it's not easy. It's not glamorous. It's a calling. You have your own calling. But all of us are mandated to multiply and to be missionaries in our own circles and our own spheres. Luke chapter 10, we see multiplication happen. Verse 1, it says, After this the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two. Ahead of him. So we started with 12. Watch this. We start with 12 disciples. A couple verses. Well, I mean, literally one chapter earlier, it's 12 disciples that are sent out. Now there's 72. 72 is a multiple of 12. 12 times 6, 72. Every disciple was responsible for six new disciples, essentially. Now, we don't know the actual numbers. Maybe Peter got 15 on his own. He was a better preacher. Little John only got, little John, yeah, yeah. Little John, that's what we're going to call him. He, he only got four. We don't know how that worked out. But 12 multiplied by six apiece. Now there's 72 people that Jesus sends out. Watch this. Sends them out ahead of him to every town. Every place where he's about to go, he told them, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, he'll send out workers into his harvest. Go, I'm sending you out. This is why you should not ask to be in vocational ministry. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Don't take a purse or a bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. Interesting. Don't take a, per, a, a money bag. Don't, don't take money with you. Don't take extra clothes. Don't take a bunch of provisions. It was always interesting why Jesus told his disciples to go out and minister and not take any money with them. You ever thought about that? Don't take an extra set of clothes. 
one set of clothes, no money. Why would he do that? Because it's human nature to solve problems with our extra. If I have money and I see someone in need, it's human nature. It's easy. It's easier to just throw a little money at them. It's easier. Oh, I got an extra shirt here. Have my shirt. What Jesus instructed his disciples to do was to not take anything that would enable them to solve the problem with their own means. He wanted them 100% devoted and dedicated to his power and authority that was at work inside of them. That's why Peter and John, they're walking, they see, they're heading to the temple, they see the guy that's asking for help. He's asking for money. He's blind. Peter and John, this is after the resurrection. They say, sorry, bub, we don't got any money with us. No cash. But what I do have, I'll give to you. Rise up and walk. Jesus, and I'm not saying don't give to people that are in need. In fact, you should give to people in need. But don't let that be your crutch and your easy way out. Some of the most thrilling moments in my life have been when I was out in public intentionally praying and asking the Lord to show me someone that needed him. I used to call it going fishing. I'm going fishing. I'm just going to go sit in the mall, have a coffee, and pray and ask the Lord to bring someone across my path. I'm going to go sit at Starbucks, hang out, ask the Lord to bring someone across my path. Incredible times. I'll tell you a story in just a little bit about that. But I want to finish this passage. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Don't take a purse, a bag, sandals. Don't greet anybody along the road. Just, you're on a mission. You're on a mission. You're on a mission. Get where I'm sending you. Go to this village I'm sending you. Watch, when you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. What an interesting command from Jesus. I want you to literally carry, remember Jesus was the one that said, peace unto you, my peace I give you. He was called the Prince of Peace. One of the levels of authority that you as a disciple have been given is you carry the peace of Jesus everywhere you go. You have the ability to walk into hostile situations and release peace. And if someone who is open to peace is there, you have the ability to let your peace rest upon them. If a hostile individual that wants nothing to do with peace is there, you have the ability to take your peace back. You can change atmospheres, environments, because of the authority of the Prince of Peace that you carry in your life. Jesus said, peace, be still. And a storm stopped. And he said, these signs will follow those that believe. Those that believe my name will do even greater things that I do. You carry the peace of Jesus and you can release it everywhere you go. That's an incredible thing. In my prayer this morning, I, I, 
I'm gonna share a, a little bit of an entry from my journal today. Because I, I, I deal with perfectionism in, in a number of different ways. I, I deal with, um, um, with performance in a sense. I was, I was a very, very, very good Pharisee for many years of my life. And if I'm not careful, it's easy for me to slip back into thinking that my performance is what makes God pleased with me or proud of me. And in my own prayer time this morning, I had some stuff I was getting off my chest, some attitudes, some mindsets, some things that I was working, and, and, I, was, and I was asking God to be pleased with me. And this is what he said. He said, Joel, I want you to walk away from this performance mentality in regards to pleasing me. I'm pleased with you because you're my son. Not for what you do or accomplish. My love for you does not change based on your performance. You are my son. That is enough. And that's the very reason I want you to tell the world about me. I want you to rest in me and be at peace in me. I want you to bring others into my rest and peace. This is why I told my disciples to carry and release peace wherever they went. The whole world is in a cycle of performance righteousness. Every culture has their own version of earning their way to me. Righteousness by faith alone is the number one priority of my gospel. Carry my peace and release my good news. Lead others to my peace and bring them into my rest. This is the mission. The good news of Jesus Christ is not another performance set of rules to put some other group of people into a new way to try to fight and earn, fight and earn, strive and earn righteousness from God. Recently, we were in Salt Lake City and we have a friend that lives there in, in her entire neighborhood. Uh, there are many, many um, Mormons that live in her neighborhood. Uh, many of them are ex-Mormons. That, that literally they've walked away completely from any and all type of faith because of how high pressure it was to earn their way. They just couldn't do it anymore. One of the ladies in her neighborhood, they were walking together and she said the lady confessed to her and said, before I walked away from the Mormon faith, I woke up every single morning in incredible uh, an incredible amount of stress and pressure. Every single day I had at least 37 or 38 things that I had this running list inside of my head of all of these things that I had to accomplish every single day just to be pleasing to God. And I just couldn't do it anymore. Some of the, listen, if you've never met a Mormon, the nicest people on the planet, nicer than you. I was doing yard work in my neighborhood in Plano years ago. And a guy walked up and said, hey man, can I help you? Uh, no, I'm good. No, 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 I'd love to help you. What? I would never offer, ever, 
I got my own yard work issues. I'm not helping you with your, I'm not that bored, number one. And number two, I don't love people enough. I will never ask someone to help me move because I don't want to be asked to help them move. I hate moving. I, will, I would rather contribute to their moving company than go and deal with boxes at their house. I love you so much. I don't want to get angry around you. Here's some money for your movers. Wonderful, loving, kind people stuck in a system of performance that's crippling and suffocating, and not the gospel. Not the gospel. Because the gospel is salvation by faith alone. Through his grace. Not by your works. So that no one can boast. But there are good works prepared for you in advance for you to walk into. But those have nothing to do with whether or not he's pleased with you. He's pleased with you. Listen, when I look at my daughters, I'm pleased with them just because they're mine. Just because they're mine. I like it when they act right, but I love them and I'm pleased with them no matter what. The 72 disciples, they came back. They returned, verse 17, it says, Lord, look at what they're excited about. Even the demons submitted to us in your name. And Jesus replied just like this, watch. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And I've given you authority to trample snakes and scorpions and to overcome all of the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. What an incredible, what an incredible release of authority. Jesus is like, demons, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I gave you all authority to trample snakes and scorpions and all evil, all of the power of the enemy, to overcome all of the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Watch. However, do not rejoice that spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. All through the Bible, people miss the point. The disciples missed the point. I, I, I think it's hilarious. The disciples, Jesus constantly caught the disciples arguing about who was going to be the greatest. Hey, what are you guys talking about? Oh, nothing, Jesus. Arguing. No, I'm going to be the greatest. No, I'm going to be the greatest. That's how you know he had a youth ministry. The, 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 scholars believe that j- the average age of Jesus' disciples, Peter was probably the oldest, maybe 25 years old. The rest of them, they believed, were early 20s or late teens. Because Peter was the only one that was concerned about taxes. And in Jewish culture, you didn't pay taxes until you're 25. So he's the only one that said, Jesus, what do we do about these taxes? Everyone else, scholars believe, was underage. It makes sense that you've got 18, 19, 20-year-olds arguing that I'm going to be the greatest. No, 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 I'm going to be the greatest. I'm going to sit at his right hand. Listen, my mom was already talking to him about sitting at the right hand. We're the sons of thunder. That's what Jesus called him. James and John, the sons of thunder. It sounds like a WWE wrestling. Sons of thunder. Peter's the rock. It's got like a wrestling team going on here. What's the focus? Names are written in heaven. That's the focus, guys. That's the reason for Oaks Church. Names written in heaven. That's the reason for your life. Names written in heaven. 
That's the mission all of us are on. Well, I'm an accountant, Joel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Names written in heaven. Who do you have influence over? I'm just a stay-at-home mom. Yeah, uh-huh. Names written in heaven. You got a co-op? Bet there's other moms out there that need Jesus' love. Joel, I, I mean, I, I'm a mechanic. Oh my God, mechanics need Jesus real bad. Names written in heaven. It's the focus of everything. Names written in heaven. The only way we become what we're called to become as individuals and as Oaks Church is if we shift our focus to Jesus' focus. Names written in heaven. John 15, 14, Jesus says, you are my friends. Watch, this is conditional. Friendship, we, we sing, I love Israel, uh, uh, Houghton that sings, I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me a friend. You know, there are a lot of people that sang that song that aren't really God's friends. He's a friend to them. They're not a friend to him. Here's the condition to how to be friends with God. You are my friends if you do what I command. Jesus is offering a conditional friendship. I no longer call you servants, he says. A lot of people are his servants. Not everyone's his friend. He's a friend to you, but are you a friend to him? I no longer call you servants because servants do not know their master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I've made known unto you. You did not choose me, but I chose and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. And whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. Man, that's powerful. You can ask anything in my name and the Father will give you. Not because you're my servant. Because you're my friend. See, intimacy increases authority. It's about relationship. It's about relationship. Intimacy increases authority. There's a passage in Scripture that's really scary. It's found in Matthew chapter 7. It's where Jesus says, not everybody that calls and calls me Lord will enter into the kingdom of heaven. He, he says, there will be people that call me Lord and I'll say, I don't know you. And they'll say, but Jesus, what are you talking about? We cast out demons. This is what it says. We cast out demons in your name. We healed the sick in your name. We walked in all these types of authority. We did all this in your name. And in verse 23 says, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, evildoers. What does that suggest? That suggests that you can be doing Christian things and have no intimacy with Jesus himself. You can build up a religious system in your world and not take any actual time to be with Jesus. That's a scary, that's a really scary verse. That's a really scary verse. The people can, people can be so focused on the work of ministry, of doing good things, that they miss out on just being with Jesus. Like Mary and Martha. Martha's like, Jesus, make her come help me. I'm making your lunch. Jesus says, Martha, what you're doing is good. But Mary has found what's best. Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet. She just wanted to be near him. The pitfall for me in my life has always been doing, 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 doing. 
I want to be pleasing. I want to be pleasing. I got to perform better. I'm horrible at resting. Not good at it. And God's like, will you just be with me? You're pleasing already. You're my kid. Just be with me. Intimacy increases authority. There's a story in the Bible of seven sons of a man named Sceva. He was a Jewish priest and, and, and these sons were Jewish exorcists. And they were going around doing exorcisms. And they were saying it like this, in the name of Jesus that that guy Paul preaches about, come out. And they came up on this one demon that was like, hold up a second. He literally, the demon literally said, Acts chapter 19, verse 15, one day the evil spirit answered them and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? And then it says in that passage that the demon jumped on them. The man that had these demons inside of it jumped on them. And one dude beat up seven dudes. And they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Now, now that's opening up a can. One on seven. And they all run out with no clothes on. That is a... That's TMZ waiting to happen right there. That's, that's, that's wild. Jesus, I know. I've heard of that guy. Paul? Oh, yeah. I never heard of you. They knew about Jesus. They were doing things in his name. They didn't actually know him. They missed the whole point. Question for you today. Big question as we close. Have we missed the point? Have we missed the point? Are we so focused on performance? Are we so focused on doing? Are we so focused on, on a comp Look, I, I'm, I'm a big proponent of being excellent in life. I, 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 it's a passion of mine to help people in their businesses. I love doing that. I love, I love using spiritual wisdom and spiritual knowledge to help people grow their business and, and, and increase and build a great life. I love that kind of stuff. But if we're not about names written in heaven, you can do both. It's not one or the other, guys. You can do both. But we can't miss the main point. It's names written in heaven. I, I got one last slide I want to put on the screen, and this is something that is a, a major theme in my life. I want to know him. I want to be known by him. And I want to make him known. I want to know Jesus. I want to, I want to be known by him. I don't want Jesus to be like, no, 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 I never, I never knew you. Joel, yeah, 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 great church. A lot of people, uh-huh, lives got saved. I knew a bunch of those people in your church. I never knew you. I want to know him. I want to be known by him. I want to make him known. I'm asking you to go on this mission with me. Doesn't matter what your vocation is. You run a business. You run a massive international department of a huge multi-billion dollar company. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Do it, man. Do it for him. Do it for him. 
run a great business, run a great household, run a great ministry. But make sure your focus is names written in heaven. Names written in heaven. Names written in heaven. We got some of you going off to college here in a little bit. Names written in heaven. Who can you lead to the Lord to know him, to be known by him and to make him known? Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus that you do an incredible work inside of the lives of your children. Do an incredible work inside of the lives of your children. Father, would you give us a passion for souls? Would you give us a hunger and a craving for souls? Would you put us in a position where we begin to seek out opportunity every single day? Father, who do you want me to talk to today? Who do you want me to share your love with today? Who do you want me to do good to today? Father, I just want to be with you. I want to be pleasing to you, but not because I'm doing, because I'm being with you. Father, would you call us into being with you and leading other people to be with you, to enter into your rest, to enter into your peace, to leave the striving behind and to be with you. And because we're already pleasing, then we seek to do good stuff that you prepared, but not so that will be pleasing. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I just feel like there might be somebody that needs to um, needs to repent today for focusing so much on being performance-minded instead of presence-minded. Performing for him instead of just being in his presence with him. You're his child, so he's pleased with you. You're his child, so he pleased with you. If you find yourself in that place, would you just let me lead you in a prayer across the room. If you want to pray this with us, pray this with us. Say this, say, Father, forgive me for trying to perform. I want to be pleasing to you. So I'm going to focus on your presence, not on my performance. I am your child. I belong to you. I enter into your rest. I receive your pleasure simply because I'm yours. I give my life to you. You are my Lord. I will obey you. Focus on your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. We love you. Thank you. We pray this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks for listening and have a great week.